Canucks Central Friday. Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah coming to you from the Kintech studio on location at Rogers Arena, the site of the preseason finale for the Vancouver Canucks. We'll welcome in the Arizona Coyotes for this one. Canucks Central is brought to you by Grip Auto Entire, quality service you can trust, and 14 locations to serve you. It is uh, coming to an end, Satch. The preseason. It's a preseason where the Canucks have uh, tried to stay healthy and have not had much success doing so. The latest being Tyler Myers going out for two to four weeks, but um, just one more before the real thing starts. So I, I was super excited about the preseason coming to an end because, hey, finally, right? We're yes. here next week, the regular season starts, but with the injuries mounting, can you add maybe a couple <laughs> more days to the preseason? No more games, though. Just like put everybody in bubble wrap for a week and see uh, see how that works out for them. It's um, Canucks got the win the other night against uh, the Edmonton Oilers, and uh, good things are happening with Elias Pettersson, as we talked about. Tonight they are expected to have uh, most of the uh, available forwards in what could be uh, an opening night look for the forwards with a few exceptions, which we'll get to as the show goes on. But uh, no Quinn Hughes tonight. He is the uh, notable absence uh, from this preseason matchup. Let's bring in our next guest. He is back from a summer of fun. It's uh, Yannick Hansen. What's happening, Yannick? Not too much. It's been busy. It seems like it was just the other week that we uh, said that's it for the summer, and here we are back at it again. Yeah, you miss us that much, eh, Yannick? Yeah, no truth be told this. <laughs> Do you need another couple of weeks? I'm screening my calls, that's for sure. Every time your producer calls, I'm making them call a couple times. Oh, we love it. So how was the summer? How was the summer? It was good. It was very busy. Uh, like you said, uh, just as everybody else, uh, COVID kind of went back a little bit and traveled open up here in Canada, so... I had a lot of family coming over that we haven't seen in multiple years now, so it flew by with, with travels and uh, and stuff like that. Uh, things we kind of took for granted a couple of years ago. So it was it was very good to to see everybody and getting caught up. The, the grandkids got to see their their grandparents, their cousins, and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, we were we were busy to say the least. So uh, as far as um, you know, the Canucks are concerned, and, and it's. It's preseason, so we try to, to not um, you know get ahead of ourselves, whether the team's winning a bunch or losing a bunch. But I think context is key. You know, the, defensively, the Canucks haven't looked great. They haven't really had their full lineup at any point, uh, but they may not for the start of the season either. So you have to take that into account. Uh, how much you know? How, how much do you or when you were a player? Like how much did you know preseason? from a how-we-played standpoint matter, or was it all just about you know kind of getting your reps in and trying to get your timing ready for the opening night? So preseason is kind of divided up into where you are in your, in your career. Early in my career, preseason mm-hmm. was everything because it's where you make your impact. It's where you make your, uh, your statement that you belong here, that you want to be here, set yourself up for being the first call-up if that's the case. So for, for a younger guy, it, it's your chance to show that, hey, when, when somebody goes down, uh, I, I need an opportunity. Uh, so that hunger, as you move on, you you, you kind of shift into a gear where you're you're trying to ramp up through these games. And come tonight, is when you'd like to play as close as possible to that first game, it, it's not really possible because 
game one is different than preseason. It, it's a different animal, but but you want to be as close to it as possible. As far as results, you always say it, it doesn't matter. It's preseason. Uh, regular season starts. It, it's zeros across the line. Uh, that being said, I'd rather be six and zero than zero and six. Of course, um, there are this funny thing called uh, confidence, and mm. it, it's hard to dig out of nowhere. And, and it comes from playing good. It comes from winning. It comes from making plays, scoring goals, all, all these things. So you, you want to have some sort of success in, in in the regular season or in the preseason that can carry over. Um, as far as result, like I said, it, it doesn't matter um, as long as you're ready game one. Um, so, so that's really all that matters. And then you look back to last year. We said the same thing about preseason, but but the beginning of the regular season was the worst they've ever had. So, mm-hmm. there are some some thoughts to that that it does carry over. And, and I don't think this team has all of a sudden developed that switch that they can just turn it on when they need to. Um, so, so it would be like nice to see them continue what happened in Abbotsford. They uh, play with some aggressiveness play with some uh, assertiveness, if you will, and, and continue that tonight. So once uh, is it October 12th, they play again, uh, again that uh, this is game three of, uh, of a good stretch of games where they're playing the right way. Well, and Yannick, you just mentioned this is a team that hasn't yet proved that they can turn that switch on. They haven't shown the maturity yet. They haven't shown an ability to be a consistent playoff team. So when that's the case... Do you need to show better habits then throughout the preseason than another team needs to? And, and maybe is it more important you start those habits even earlier? Yeah, you need to be. You need to. It needs to be uh, just uh, where we come. This is how we do. This is how we play. This is how we perform. Because um, if you don't have that switch where you can just uh, roll through the preseason, make sure you're not getting hurt, uh, turn off on certain hits that you'd normally take, uh, play the easy round, uh, just, okay, I'm not going to put myself in this position here because I don't want to get hurt, it's preseason. Well, if you can turn the switch up and, and do that in the regular season, then by all means. But if you can't, then you have to play the right way, if you will, uh, and the right way is playing the way that hurts sometimes uh, that you'd like to avoid in the preseason. So, so you'd like to see them play as close to a regular season game tonight, even though games mean absolutely nothing. I'd prefer to see them finishing their checks. I'd prefer them seeing blocking all these shots that you might have gotten out of the way of uh, because it is preseason uh, or gotten a stick on, if you will. Um, but, but those are the things. If you can't just flip, flip that switch and, and do it October 12th, then you gotta you got to do it all the way through. Um, so uh, until you kind of see that maturity in the team, that, that you know what kind of game the Canucks will give you for 82 games, mm-hmm. uh, you, you can't uh, take the foot off the pedal in any aspect of the game, whether it's back-checking, forechecking, finishing checks, uh, making the right plays on the blue lines and all these little things. So you, you, ha- you have to play um, an 89-game season instead. You know, the, the, the one player that... Uh, Every time he's played this preseason, he's been the best player on the ice for the Canucks. That's Elias Pettersson. I felt like we we sort of needed to see this from Pettersson here in camp after he missed it last year, got off to the slow start, and you know finished the season strong. But I, I just wanted to see Pettersson with confidence, and he's definitely showed that, Yannick. He is the engine that would make this team go, if you will. Um, he, he is going to be that guy for the next, hopefully, decade that will drive the bus uh, Quinn Hughes, Demko, a couple other guys uh, tagging along, but but it, it will come from your number one center. 
JT Miller is getting paid like that right now, but, but there's no question that, that the ceiling of, of Petey, uh, he, he should supplant him as the go-to, the number one guy uh, from what we've seen. And hopefully he can take that step because he takes that step and all of a sudden you, you have a plethora of, of centers and, and players to play on and match up hell, if you will, with, with three centers that are uh, very, very strong in, in a lot of different aspects. You have the matchup, you have the grit, you have the skill, you have the finesse, uh, you have the shutdown, uh, all of these intangibles that, that every team hunger for. So, so again, uh, this season, uh, you'd love to see uh, a quantum leap, if you will, for, from Petey in terms of, of where he asserts himself, not just in on the, the Canucks, because there's no question he's at the top of the packing order there or mm-hmm. among those guys, but, but in the league as well. Well, you know, and, and one of the players that has been on his wing a lot throughout the preseason has been Andre Kuzmenko. And, you know, we, you talked about him a little bit and about what you know about him. And we got our first taste of watching him play uh, in North America over the course of the preseason. Had a, real, a few really interesting flashes. What do you make of his preseason? And how important is it for a guy like him to have the success he's had, even though it is exhibition season? Yeah, again, same to where we started this. He he needs to have some success, even though that success means absolutely nothing. Uh, uh, Sergei Sirokov came over too, let the the team in preseason scoring, and and then disappeared. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it was nice to see. Um, does it continue? That that's really all that matters now. Um, again, can he come in and be that? Uh, that guy that came out of nowhere, didn't come out of nowhere. He was a COVID uh, free agent, but he chose to sign here. Didn't give up anything for him. You, you're paying him very minimal. Um, you get a free year out of him, and, and he's the type of player who can tip the scale if you're balancing. Okay, we're one or two points out of the playoff, but you get a player like that in, and he'll give you an extra five point over the over the course of the season. So again, it's important for him to come in, feel comfortable, uh, feel like you earn your teammates' trust scoring some goals, making some plays. Okay, this guy's a player. So so there's also some confidence from his side that new rink, new new country, new style, new team. Uh, he's had the the, 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 the the fact that he's got a couple of the Russians on the team probably helps him fit in quicker, easier. Um, I don't know his language, but, but it's always nicer to have somebody that you can communicate with when you land in a foreign place. So it probably makes that transition a little bit smoother for him, uh, which should only help his transition on the ice. Do you uh, do you like the idea of pairing him with Pedersen? I have no question. I, the whole last year, we were discussing who should be playing with them and uh, with with PDM, and we couldn't really find anyone or, or anybody who had taken that spot. So. Um, PD seems to be able to draw people to him. Uh, Kuzmenko, if he gets room, he he will put the puck in the net. There's no question about that. Um, whether there's a, enough puck to go around, that'll 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 need to be seen. Um, you definitely need some little more crash and bang on the other side of that wing than if you're playing those two. But but it's definitely something that you'd like to see if there's some chemistry to develop there and not just a couple of games because it'll take more than that give them a leash give them their minutes uh i don't want to see them playing 14 15 minutes either they, they need to be up there where they're touching the puck a lot uh and then give them a little bit of a leash and see if they can uh, can make a run of this because there has been some other players that have fit in tanner pearson with bo, bo horwat um 
JT Miller has a couple players that, that he gel kind of with. So Petey has kind of been the lone wolf there. Uh, that you haven't really find anybody that, that will really work well with him when you have the other guys paired up. So if somebody like uh, like uh, Kuzmingo can come in and be that guy, it would be great because it would fill a, a huge hole that have kind of been missing on, on Petey's wing. You know, we, we've seen the shot. We've seen some of the offensive abilities. Uh, he's really fit in almost seamlessly, it seems, on the power play so far. But it, is, is it the rest of the game that's going to be the hardest for Kuzmenko? It's going to be 82 games that's going to be the hardest thing for him. Yeah. Uh, he's used to playing uh, 50-some-odd games, uh, max, no back-to-backs, um, uh, a lot smoother schedule, um, Olymp- uh, national team breaks, all, all these stretches where you're not playing, days off against easy teams. Uh, the, the test for him will be uh, uh, three and four nights, uh, back-to-backs, uh, back-to-backs after travel. Um, the, the, the grind will be what will test him because uh, there's no question he can play and he has the skills. Uh, what, what, what tests most of these players is the sheer schedule. Well, yeah, and that's a huge part of it. And, I mean, the Canucks heading into this regular season are already testing the depth of their team. I mean, Mikheyev and Besser are out injured up front, and hopefully that's not supposed to be long-term. On the back end, Travis Dermott's been out for a while, and then the news today that Tyler Myers is out for at least two to four weeks with an injury as well. And when we talk about the back end for this team, and that's an area of their game of their team that we weren't able to really make many changes for. So when you look at Myers not being ready, Ratbone, you know, we'll see where his game is at. What do you want to see from him, and what do you make of how the Canucks might be shaping up on the back end heading into the season? Yeah, that that, that was the weak point. Well, the Forge was looking pretty good, but you take out two of the well, one top six for sure, and a and a middle six as well, and all of a sudden you're you're looking a little bit thinner. Um, hopefully, Herglander can step up. Um, he was kind of on the outside when camp opened, but. Uh, He's getting thrust into it right now, and and will earn a, an opportunity. Uh, on the defensive side, it was the it was the eyesore e- even before camp started. Uh, you, you felt like you needed something to happen there throughout the summer. It didn't, uh, and it's only gotten thinner. Um, Rathbone, uh, he's he's essentially uh, uh, an OEL Quinn Hughes, obviously on a, on a different level. Um, so it's another puck moving defenseman. Um, whether or not there, there's room for all of these guys. I mean, Tyler Myers will step out of the lineup, which kind of make one room for one puck move in defenseman. Uh, but, but again, you, you need to see him play with a lot of confidence. Um, and again, see how he responds in his own end. Because uh, these young defensemen, when they come in with, with all the skill and all these things, where they get tested and where... Uh, I used to like to test these guys, like how do they play in their own end? Do they want to go back for pucks? Do they want to get forechecked? Uh, or, or are they looking for easy easy stick checks and these things? Uh, and that's what separates the players from from the ones that stays. Uh, that are you prepared to, to do all the dirty work in order to re- reap the rewards of your offensive game? Because um, it will take that for, for a player like him. Um, these grinders, third, forward liners that, that are looking at the lineup, the Canucks, they see Rathbone, it's like, okay, this guy's got a lot of skill. Let's put him through the end board and see how he responds. Because uh, oftentimes, if you do that enough, you can get guys to hear footsteps and, again, see how he responds to that. Uh, and, again, if he if he finds a way to get himself out of that, play out of that, takes the hits, um, 
it's a skill as well to find a way to do that without getting hurt. And uh, uh, by all means, he has a lot of tools that, that you'd love to see on the back end. Uh, as a forward, I love playing with a guy who would get the puck out of trouble, put it on my stick in speed, and, and off you go because it's a lot easier to play that way. Um, but again, it has to be uh, has to come from from the very back end to begin with. So uh, it's been a while since we last chatted, Yannick, and uh, in that time, the Canucks signed J.T. Miller to a seven-year, eight million dollars per season contract that will kick in next summer. What's your take on the deal? I had a note here next to me saying I'm not talking about J.T. Miller anymore. <laughs> so we'll move on to Bo Horvat or somebody like that. Um, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, right. Nobody's going to be happy. There's always going to be somebody say we should have done this. Uh, I, I say the only way you, you silence everybody is if you win the cup while he's here. Um, then nobody can say anything about that. Anything but that, there will always be, oh, we should have done this. We could have maybe gotten this. Um, but again, um, I, I didn't cringe at the numbers. I, I just hope that he's good for five, six uh, of these years now, and then I can take it if he goes downhill at the last two here. Um, but, but again, um, it, it's one of those where there was no right. If you trade him, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the huge hole he's leaving. And yeah, somebody's coming in, but I can guarantee you they're not as good as him. Uh, will they pan out that way? We don't know. Uh, so it, it, it's one of those things. As long as the, the numbers didn't didn't scream that he's overpaid and, again, that he, he keeps playing to the, the level that we've been accustomed to, I, I don't have an issue with it. Uh, boring, he doesn't take that nosedive uh, in a couple of years. Well, I'll take your suggestion and move off from J.T. Miller, and I'll move on to Bo Horvat. I mean, now that the Canucks have J.T. signed, you have Ederson for this year, one more year, plus he's still RFA after that, so he's under control for a while. The organization itself, Rutherford, has said uh, the pressure isn't quite there. Now that you have a couple centers, you have J.T. Miller signed as well. How careful do you have to be with a Bo Horvat contract, or is he a guy that, if, even if you have to pay a lot, you should get done? Yeah, he's your captain. Um, you drafted him, you developed him, he turned into a hell of a player. Um, Bo hasn't, again, he's got some intangibles that are harder to pay. Uh, JT Miller was very simple. He put up almost 100 points, top 10 scoring, uh, all of these things. Bo hasn't really done that yet. Um, mm-hmm. So so what uh, what salary level are, are we looking at here? Are we looking at six or are we looking at, at north of seven? Um, because again, then then he's got to put up a whole lot more points and mm. fill some bigger shoes than he had. Um, but but like I said, he has some intangibles that tend to be paid too that doesn't show on on the score sheet. So he he's a little bit harder to judge. Um, and I also feel like that he might have a, a feeling that he should be paid up there because he's part of the leadership group. He's probably been here the longest. All of these guys. He's captain. Uh, He's the guy who re- responds to all the, the tough questions when teams when they aren't going well for the teams. Um, but but again, he's uh, if he's around that sixty point range, um, then uh, then then the numbers are going to be significantly different, uh, and that might be a, a tough sell for him. Yannick, it's great to have you back. Thanks for this. Yeah, no problem. Talk to you guys next week. Uh, there is Yannick Hansen. Former Vancouver Canuck who will join us uh, every Friday through the course of the season here on Canucks Central. Yeah, I mean, Yannick is incredible. And, you know, he, he nailed it on Bo. And this is the, the big question on him in general, Dan. If you're paying him somewhere in the sixes, okay. Yep. You know, maybe that's something you can live with. If that number's in the sevens, 
And if you do sign him, the expectation isn't, hey, 30 goals, 50 points, maybe 60 points. It's 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 a hell, a yeah. hell, hell of a lot more than that, right? You're gonna you need to be touching 70, 70 points ish, yeah. right? Like that's that would be the hope. But uh, also the, the the market is what it is, and centermen are getting paid these very very high numbers. But I I, I just find it hard uh, to commit that to Bo when you know other players we've seen get that have had bigger seasons than Bo. Right, like Kadri just came off eighty-seven points and won a Stanley Cup. Yeah, Tage Thompson. Uh, yes, I get it. We nobody expected Tage Thompson to be that guy, but he just scored thirty-eight goals and had sixty-eight points. Sean Couturier has had massive seasons, better scoring seasons than Bo Horvat Selkie. has had, and won a Selkie Trophy. So, you know, yes, you can use a lot of different comparables for Bo Horvat. And I understand his camp is going to use the ones that are maybe aiming a little bit higher as they continue to negotiate. But the Canucks have to be very careful with where this negotiation goes. Yeah, and you know that's why it's it hasn't been an easy one to get done. And yep. we'll see what happens here. One of the other pressure points is always right before the season. Do you try to get something done? Do we see something you know ahead of the first game of the season or whatever? Canucks that, like using long weekends they to do. get stuff done. They love know? it. So so we'll see ultimately what happens over the next little while here and before the start of the season. But if if it doesn't get done before the first game, it's probably something that's going to take you know drag you know quite a bit into the season. They want to have a resolution by the trade deadline regardless. I would imagine they want a resolution even sooner than that. You don't want to be in a position where you're backed into the cor- into a corner come the trade deadline. It's uh, Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. You are listening to Canuck Central. So I want to get in a little bit of football talk here, Sat. Um, usually on the People's Show, they uh, do a, a quick NFL preview for the Clayton Pub. But as we know, Today, that wasn't on. So, NFL Preview is brought to you by the Clayton Public House. Pre-game to post-game, the Clayton Public House is your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens and two giant projectors, theclaytonpub.com. So, the, uh, the weekend is, I mean, there's always a bunch of really interesting matchups. When I look at some of the betting lines... I got to say, Sat, the one that sticks out to me is the Seattle Seahawks being plus five and a half going into New Orleans against the Saints, who are just coming back from London. They'll have the Red Rifle, Andy Dalton, going again. They still won't have Michael Thomas. They might get Alvin Kamara back. I know, you know, Geno Smith has put up some gaudy numbers against some. You know, less than average defenses in Atlanta and Detroit. And New Orleans is definitively not that. Mm -hmm. You know, they are not a below average defense. They are an above average defense. Pretty good one, especially with guys like Lattimore and and others in the secondary. I I still just, I like it. Like, I am buying a lot of what Geno Smith and the uh, Seattle Seahawks offense is selling. I also think their defense, while it has gotten touched up quite a bit, there has been some interesting pieces starting to emerge on uh, on the Seahawks' defense. Tariq Woolen, they've also gathered seven sacks already this season uh, amongst the most in the league. Yeah, I mean, hey, uh, give the Seahawks credit. They look like a well-coached team so far. They're playing hard. But if you like them, 
at plus five, why not take him on the money line? Two point eight five. I mean, that's where the juice is. Mm. You know. All right. Hey, man, I already made reasons. one bold pick today with the Minnesota Wild. I don't know if I'm feeling that bold. Maybe we'll see saying. Sunday. I mean, if you made a pretty compelling argument as to why the Saints might struggle in this game. And if that's yeah. the case, I mean, the juice is on the money line. Uh, well, we might uh, we might squeeze the juice. <laughs> uh, yeah, why not? On, on the money line. But I do, I do really like the Seahawks. And, you know, I kind of wonder, not that the Seahawks are the best team in the NFC West, but, like, who do we think is the best team in the NFC West? With the way the L.A. Rams have started, they've got the Cowboys this weekend. San Fran has looked good at times, but also carrying two losses so far this season as well. And the Cardinals, I mean, they're going to win some games on their talent, but they're just such a poorly coached football team that it's it's hard to really pin them as a playoff team. It's the Rams. Yeah. They're still the best team in that division. Uh, the Niners, let's not forget, the Niners – Last year, it looked a little shaky, and then they got really good down the stretch and, and into the season. I think it's early to write off the Niners. A lot of the same things we were saying about Jimmy Garoppolo were being said last year. Now, they had Trey Lance as well before you know, he was in the mix. Now he's done for the year with his injury. So that type of upside isn't there for the team. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't dance on the Niners' grave quite yet. Uh, who do you like this weekend? All right. So I'm a big fan of looking at what's going to be happening. Honestly... I wanted to talk about the Browns and the Chargers, but I'm not going to bore everybody with Browns talk like we do all the time here on this show. So uh, instead, <laughs> I will... Just tell me if I should start the Chargers D against Jacoby Brissett and the Browns this weekend. Hey, you want to talk about juice that you can actually squeeze a little bit? I like yeah. the Lions against the Patriots. Ah. They're in uh, at New England. Lions are dogs in that game? Lions are dogs in that game. 2.4 on the money Isn't line. like Frank Zappa the quarterback? Like, what's it, going on? I'm saying Daniel Zappi, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, he is the quarterback, and the money line has a Lions of 2.4. The Lions have injuries, too. They've, they've coughed up some games. They play hard, though, and I like value. And yeah. Not that all of a sudden you know they're going to be a playoff team, but it does turn their it keeps their season from really going off the rails early, and I think they know how much this game matters. Uh, that's a really interesting one, especially uh, you know the Lions have been pretty good at covering. Obviously, did not cover last weekend against the Seahawks, but what a shootout that game was! Really good sked for the NFL this weekend. You can always check out the Clayton Public House for your NFL viewing. On Sundays. Coming up, the mailbag on Canuck Central.